So this morning we come to chapter 8 in our study of the books, the book of Exodus. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there, Exodus chapter 8. And actually, before jumping on into chapter 8 um, here this morning, I'd like for us to uh, just take a few moments and look at something in chapter 9 of Exodus, because there's something there I'd like to point out to all of us here this morning. You see, we are now beginning in our study of Exodus to see God act against Pharaoh and the people of Egypt through various plagues and such. We saw the last plague or the, the first plague in uh, last week, I should say, in our study. But we will also see that as a result of God allowing these plagues that Pharaoh will be very, very stubborn to say the least and he will refuse time and time again to set the children of Israel free from their bondage. He was a man that, as we read this, we can tell that he was very entrenched in rebellion against the word of the Lord. And that's going to be the main theme that I'll talk about this morning, a person that is in rebellion against the word of the Lord. But as we read about these plagues, taking place back in those days, it can cause us to question, why did it all have to go down this way, right? What's the reasoning behind all of these historical events that we read about here in the book of Exodus? Why did God do that? Why did all these plagues come upon these people? What's behind it all? Well, if you look down at verse 13 here in chapter 9, I believe we see the reason that God allowed all of this. The Lord is again instructing Moses here on what will be said to Pharaoh. And it says beginning in uh, verse 13 of chapter 9, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart, and on your servants, and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose... I raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people, in that you will not let them go. So there in those verses, I believe we see the reason for these actions of the Lord God against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God didn't want to eliminate this people from the face of the earth. He simply wanted to put his power on display and to declare his name in all the earth. He wanted all the people in the land of that time and place to know that there is none like him. And he wanted us as believers in his name, as followers of his word, he wanted us to know that there 
is none like Him. And that He will work mightily on our behalf and that He would go to great lengths to redeem us as His people. And the children of Israel, as we read about them here in the Old Testament, they were His people, His children. And it, and it was not His will that they be in bondage as they were. And it is not His will either that we as His people today, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are His people today. And it's not His will that we be in bondage to sin. And we will talk about that as well today. But this man Pharaoh that we are reading about here in Exodus was the one in charge of inflicting this bondage upon God's people. Remember, it all started with this Pharaoh, right? He's the one that we're told didn't remember Joseph. He refused to remember the blessings that came upon the people of Egypt through this one man of God, Joseph. This Pharaoh was the one that didn't remember him. So God is not messing around here as we get to this part of the story. He's now ready to show himself strong on behalf of his people Israel. But Pharaoh, again, he kept hardening his heart toward God in rebellion. And he was exalting himself against God's people. And he refused to let them go. And we'll discuss these verses here from chapter 9 further the next time we gather. But I really just wanted to to point out to you the, the reasoning behind all of these plagues that we're now reading, reading about, right? The first plague was the water turning to blood as we read about last week. And today we'll move on into chapter 8. So let's go ahead and look back now at chapter 8. And we'll pick it up in verse 1, of course, where it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Now, I'm going to pause right here on this verse for a little while because there's, an, there's a very important point for us to grasp here in verse 1. And that is that the reason that the Lord was setting these people free from their physical bondage, from the bondage of slavery that they were under, the reason that He was setting them free was so that they could serve Him, that they could serve the Lord. And with that thought in mind, as we fast forward in time to the year 2016, as we sit right here today, we too, if we have come to Christ, that is, we too have been set free from a bondage, and that is the bondage of sin. But we have been set free, not for the sake of complete freedom, but rather we have been set free so that we can become a slave again. But this time, a slave to righteousness, a servant of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we've actually been set free to become a slave. Let me further explain what I'm saying. You see, spiritually speaking, we are all slaves. And it's really important that we understand this fact. Again, spiritually speaking, we are either slaves to sin or we are slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, and James all referred to themselves 
as slaves to Jesus Christ. They started out the letters that they wrote by by stating such. The Greek word used in the New Testament writings to describe this fact is the Greek word doulos, and it literally means slave. And you can read Romans chapter 1, which of course was written by Paul, 2 Peter chapter 1, Titus, which was written by Paul, and then James chapter 1, to see what I'm talking about. The authors of those letters all proclaim that they were slaves of Jesus Christ. But again, we are either slaves to sin or slaves to Jesus Christ. And I'll expound further because I know that this slave mentality, as I talk about it, it can trip us up as Americans. It can be hard for us to grasp, right? Because after all, we live in the land of the free. But I'm speaking to you this morning in regards to who we are spiritually. And that's what I'm hoping you'll understand as I point these things out. But I want you to go ahead and mark this page now and turn to the New Testament book of the Gospel of John. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And let's look down and we'll start reading in uh, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So there in verse 34, we see a very pertinent statement from Jesus Christ himself. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. That includes every person on the face of the earth because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have established here what it is to be a slave to sin. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I stated earlier that we are all slaves, either slaves to sin or slaves to Jesus Christ, slaves to righteousness. So turn now to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Just two books to the right of the Gospel of John. You'll find John, then Acts, then Romans. Romans, chapter 6. This entire chapter here is dedicated to the fact that we are to no longer be slaves to sin. So let's start reading in verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue 
in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now there's that word that we're talking about this morning, slaves. In repenting of our sin, coming to Christ, being baptized in Christ, we have been set free from sin and should no longer willfully be walking in the ways of sin. Remember, Titus 2, 11 and 12 tells us that the grace that brought our salvation, it has taught us something. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and to deny worldly lust. And it teaches us that we should live soberly, that we should live righteously and godly now, here in this present age. So sin has been been done away with in our lives. And verse 7 continues and says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So the Apostle Paul, right, as he pens this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says that when a person dies, that they are freed from sin. But he is not talking about a physical death. He's not talking about that time when we will cease to be on this earth. He's talking about when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And not only do we die to our sinful nature at that time, we also rise again to a new life. And this is symbolized in our baptism. And verse 9 then says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Lord. Now that's very simple to understand there, isn't it? We are to live this life as if we are dead to sin and we're alive to God in Jesus Christ. And then verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Right? So again, keep in mind we are all slaves. Either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. 
How do we present ourselves today? How do we live our lives today? It's in one way or the other, right? For sin, though, he goes on in verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourself, yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So do you see these facts beginning to take shape here? If you obey sin, if you go in the way of the lust of your flesh, you are a slave of sin. And it will lead to death, spiritual death. If you are a slave to righteousness, on the other hand, then you will obey righteousness by living a righteous life. And this will lead to eternal life. Let's read on, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So let's pause again because now we see, as I stated earlier, that even though we are, are not to be slaves to sin, we are still slaves anyway. We are now to be slaves of righteousness. And verse 17 tells us how we get to that place. How do we get there? Right? Do, do you want to know how to become a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to sin? You do so by deciding to obey from your heart. And a key point there is that you obey from your heart. But what do we obey from our heart? The doctrine that was delivered to us. Right? The Word of God. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine that we have to obey. And when we obey that, we become a slave to righteousness because we're striving to live in that way. That's how we become a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to sin. Right? When we are obedient to the doctrine that is found in the Word of God, our Bibles. So, I showed you where Jesus said that if we commit sin, we are slaves to sin. And here we see the Apostle Paul using these terms here to teach us that we are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. You, you can't have it both ways. You see, you can't profess to be obedient to the doctrine that makes you righteous and a slave to righteousness. You can't profess that and then still be obedient to sin, be a slave to sin. Paul continues on here in verse 19 and says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now your members present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. That's Quite a comparison there because if you think to a time when you didn't know Christ and you walked through this world without Christ and the effort that you put forth 
to walk in that way. The effort that people will put forth to go ahead and walk in sin and commit sin and and give in to the ways of sin. We're to put that same effort now into not doing that and to walking in righteousness. We're to apply ourselves now to righteousness in that way. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have been set free from sin for a reason. And the reason is so that we can have eternal life. But we are to commit. And that's a key word right there too. Commit. We are to commit ourselves as slaves to righteousness. Leave sin behind and become slaves of righteousness for holiness And at the end, what happens? Everlasting life. Eternal life comes to us as a result. Again, if you've been around me any period of time, you know that I do not believe in man's perverted doctrine of grace. That grace that teaches you can willfully continue in sin and still be saved. The Bible does not teach that anywhere. It teaches the exact opposite of that. So every day we must fight the fight of faith and we must fight against sin. We must stay the course. We must run the race with endurance. You see, sin rears its ugly head every day in our lives. It will present itself to us every day. And as long as we are in this world, we will not escape that fact. But we can fight against it. And we can fight against it by committing ourselves as slaves to righteousness. Again, that same effort that we would use to go after sin in the world, we put forth that effort now to walk in righteousness. You see, we are exhorted in Scripture to walk as children of the light, to not walk in darkness. There is a doctrine that we are to obey, and that doctrine is found in the Holy Bible. By being obedient to this doctrine, we will overcome sin because we will be slaves to righteousness because we're walking in obedience to that doctrine. With every step we take on this earth, we have a decision to make every day when we wake up. We will either be slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. The question is, to which will we yield? Right? And as we flip back now to Exodus chapter 8, the children of Israel were being set free for a purpose. Verse 1 of, in Exodus chapter 8 tells us the purpose for which they were being set free. They were being set free that, so that they could serve the Lord. Today, it's no different for you and me. We have been set free from the bondage of sin in order that we might serve the Lord, that we might be slaves to righteousness. And verse 2 here in Exodus chapter 8 continues and says, But if you refuse to let them go, 
Behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river will, shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people and on all your servants. You see, as I read this, it makes me think how in one sense, right, Pharaoh is holding on to the people of God, which he physically was. He, was, he wasn't letting them go. But he was also holding on to his sin, which was rebellion against God, right? His disobedient nature to the voice of the Lord. Pharaoh was going to hold on to that. And you see, that's what it all boils down to today for all the people of the world. We will either let go of our sin by coming to Jesus Christ and being set free, or we will hold on to our sin by being disobedient to the Word of God, to the doctrine that was delivered to us, the doctrine of God that will set you free in Jesus Christ. And when you decide to hold on to your sin and be disobedient to the way of the Lord, sin begins to slime its way into your life like a slimy old frog, right? And hop on into every aspect of your life. Sin gets into your house, into your bedroom. It affects the people you know, the people you work with, and the people you hang around with. It, it infests everything in your life. It enters your kitchen in that you eat and you drink with the sinners, and you become one. Sin just really makes itself at home in your life, all because you don't want to listen to and take heed to the Word of God. Sin will hop on into your life in a slimy way, right, like a frog. Then, verse 5, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. It really is something how, when you look at this, how sin can start in the heart of one man, one man that refuses to be obedient to the Lord. And then the results of that sin can spread through the entire land. But you see, sin starts in the heart. And, and then it affects the home. And then it spreads out into the whole land. This is the picture that I see here. In verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord 
our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them, as the Lord had said. So, you see, in order to get some relief, people will sometimes choose to briefly repent, momentarily repent. They're not truly repentant. They're just briefly repentant. Maybe they got caught in a lie, caught in some form of deception or evil deed. Maybe a tragedy happened around them and it shook their lives and it caused them to briefly repent. So to get some reprieve, right, they say they're sorry. And maybe they just need to relieve their own conscience or something. But they're not committed to repentance. They're not committed to being slaves to righteousness. It's not something that they're doing from their heart. It's not something they're obeying from their heart. And some people think that they can live however they want six days a week and then repent on the seventh day and be covered. But again, there's no change of heart in that person. And they are still slaves to sin. And that sin, even though they have briefly turned from it, it's still piled up all around them like these slimy frogs were. And it produces a stench that everyone still can smell. Because sin has lasting effects. It produces a stench. It produces something that everyone still knows. It has its effects on everybody's lives around you. So the Lord, verse 16, said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Again, let me remind you, one man being disobedient to the word of the Lord. And as a result, all these plagues come upon the land and the people. But in it all and through it all, God has a purpose. He's going to show himself mighty. He's going to declare his name. But as it pertains to these lice here, you know, there are a few forms of lice that we know of today. The most common to our minds is the head lice, right? But there are also body lice, which may have been what the Egyptians had to experience here. 
according to WebMD, I briefly read on it, the body lice or the body louse is slightly larger than the head louse, but has the same general appearance. Unlike the head louse, which lives on its human host, the body louse lives in clothing, commonly near like the seamed areas, and then it transfers to the human host when it needs to feed. Okay, So you see, lice feed on human blood. And the body lice specifically, though, they can go up to 30 days without needing to feed on human blood. So again, as I look at this, I see that the effects of sin, the effects of rebellion to the word of the Lord. Remember, this is why it's happening to Pharaoh. He's rebelling against the word of the Lord. But the effects of that can be all around you, like the dust of the earth which you stand upon, right? And then when it needs to get fed, right? When sin needs to get fed, it needs to get stronger. It will go from being just around you, like these lice can just be on your clothing or whatever. It's just be around you. It will go from that to then jumping onto you. This is what sin will do. So it'll suck the blood out of you, your very lifeline. And again, it's all because a person doesn't want to listen to the doctrine of God that is able to set them free. They don't want to be obedient. Remember, we read that you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. That's how we become set free. We become slaves to righteousness. And people don't want to do that. They want to keep sin around them. And it just feeds off of you and it gets stronger and stronger because you refuse to commit and submit to the Lord. And then in verse 20, and the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. Now, when we read this, we of course think of those pesky little flies, right? Those pesky little flies that we deal with in our lives. But in the original Hebrew, it really doesn't say that these were flies as we know them. It simply states that God sent swarms. And in Psalms uh, 78, 45, it says that these uh, swarms devoured the people. As, as it was referred to, it devoured them. And that takes on the meaning that it, they were biting them. So, so these were winged insects that came in in swarms that were actually biting the people, devouring them. Right? It was just something else that pestered a people that wouldn't take heed to the word of the Lord. But again, spiritually speaking, Jesus will set you free. When you come to the point in your life where you walk in obedience to him, Sin has no power over you because of Jesus Christ, because you have died to yourself, because you take on his life 
and you walk in that newness of life. Here in verse 22, we will now see where God will make a distinction between his people and the people of Egypt. It says, and in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. So if you remember back in Genesis, when Joseph brought his father Jacob, also known as Israel, and all of his family into the land of Egypt, he settled them in this land called Goshen, this part of Egypt called Goshen. It was the best of the land and they flourished there. They did well there. They prospered there for many years. Then, of course, this new Pharaoh, the Pharaoh that we read about right now, he came along and he put them in bondage and he made them slaves because he didn't remember Joseph, right? But God here is saying that these uh, plagues won't affect his people that lived in that part of the land where they live. They wouldn't affect the children of Israel. Now, we're not told this fact until the swarm of flies came upon the land. These flying bugs of various sorts did not affect the Israelites. But were they affected by the previous plagues? The Bible really doesn't tell us whether they were or not. I know, though, that today we as the people of God can still be affected by the sin that goes on around us, even if we're completely focused on serving the Lord. We may have a loved one caught up in being a slave to sin, and it affects us as well, right? But the sin that devours, like these swarms of flies devoured them, sin won't devour us. We may feel its effects around us, but it will not devour us as long as we commit to being slaves of righteousness and as long as we remain on the path of that commitment. Stay focused on the Lord. You see, even though we are slaves, right? God will not hold us against our will. In other words, Every day and on any day, we can get up and choose to walk away. God's not going to hold us where we are and keep us there against our will. He will keep us there as long as we want to remain in Him, as long as we stay focused on Him. But if it's our choice to walk away, if it's our choice to walk in the ways of sin and become a slave to sin, God will not hold us against our will. It's our choice to serve the Lord from our heart or to serve sin. But as long as you walk in Christ, sin, though it may be around you or nearby, it will not devour you because you're in Christ. So Moses tells Pharaoh that the swarms of flies are coming, but that it won't affect the Israelites. And then verse 24 And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into um, all the land of Egypt. 
The land was corrupted because of the swarm of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as He will command us. In other words, it's not what you're telling us to do, Pharaoh. We're not going to do this in your way. We're not going to do this in the way you're telling us to. We're going to go in the way that the Lord commands us. And Pharaoh said in verse 28, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Now that's Pharaoh's real what's really on his mind right there. Hey, Moses, just give me some relief. Just intercede for me. Then Moses said, verse 29, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. So again, one hardened man that struggled with being obedient to the Lord God. He flip-flopped from time to time. As men and women trapped in sin today will often do. They'll flip-flop. They'll say, I want to get close to the Lord. Ah, no, I don't. I want to obey the Lord. Ah, no, I don't. Right? But day after day, this man, Pharaoh, refused to let go of his disobedience. Now, I've mentioned this for the past few weeks, but God has spoken to us in these last days in one way. It's one final way. It's the only way he's spoken to us now, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have the word of the Lord written in our Bibles. We have that doctrine that we need to obey from our heart. It's written in our Bibles. It continues to be preached throughout the earth. Mankind, you and me, we can either harden ourselves to it or we can repent and believe it. God has done all that He can to show Himself mighty, to show Himself as God. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He walked on this earth, and He went to the cross, and He died for our sin. He's done all that He can. He was buried, and on the third day He rose again, and He's coming again. He's declared His name. Not only that, the heavens declare His glory. The skies above tell of His mighty works. All creation cries out and testifies that He is God. His Word is in complete harmony with all creation that testifies, right, of Him. And sin, though, it enslaves us. And Jesus sets us free from sin. But when we are set free from sin, we then are to become slaves again. But this time, slaves to righteousness. We obey the doctrine of the word of the Lord 
and we don't look back to Egypt, the world from which we came out of. We don't look back. We don't go back to it. We obey the doctrine of the Lord, and we move on to serve the Lord. He's declared His name to us. He's shown us who He is, and His purpose is that we serve Him. That's why He's redeemed us, that we serve Him. And as a result, we have peace with God. We have peace within our hearts. We have life. We have life more abundantly as Jesus promised. And Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this simply describes the joy, the freedom that is within the person that obediently walks with the Lord, the person that is a slave to righteousness. You see, disobedience to the word of the Lord is the ultimate form of sin. And sin will not let go of you until you let go of it. And God is calling out to you through His holy word today, calling for you to come to Jesus and to be set free from sin. Become a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for your holy word. Again we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your name. Lord, this is such a short time, such a brief time that we spend here in the presence of your word, thanking you for your presence amongst us and your presence within our hearts. But Lord, I pray that as we go forth into this week, Lord, that we will walk in your word, that we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, that we would be obedient to the doctrine that has been delivered to us, found in the pages of the Scriptures, our Holy Bible, that we would be an obedient people, that we would not become hardened to the voice of the Lord, that we would not let sin rule and reign in these bodies of ours, Lord, but that we would become slaves to righteousness, that we would put forth that effort to serve you and to live for you because that is why you redeemed us, that we might serve you. So Lord God, fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us the understanding to know what your will is for our lives here on this earth. We pray your will to be done. And again, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.